Hello and welcome to another episode of Health Affairs This Week, the podcast where health affairs editors go beyond the headlines to unpack the latest in health policy news. I'm Jessica Beitlater. And I'm Kathleen Haddad. We are nearing the end of Pride Month, a time to celebrate the LGBTQ plus community. And last week, in conjunction with Pride Month, President Biden signed an executive order to advance equality for LGBTQ plus individuals. So this order has a few facets to it, including safeguarding health care and preventing youth suicide among this community. Um, before we get into the details, particularly regarding health care, we wanted to talk about the broader issue of LGBTQ plus health and why this executive order was seen as necessary. Um, Kathleen, what do we know about population health for LGBTQ plus individuals? Well, Health Affairs has published on this issue in the past. We've had an article, we had an article recently in October by Landon Hughes, and it showed that privately insured transgender people in the U.S. had a higher risk of nearly all of 26 chronic conditions studied uh, compared to cisgender counterparts. And this includes cardiovascular conditions, neurological conditions, pulmonary disease, arthritis, cancer, um, in addition to mental health and substance use. I, I think just one, one important part of this paper is that they had to use an algorithm based on um, a number of different variables, not gender identity, because uh, the data uh, that's collected by insurers and by federal surveys and electronic medical records doesn't always include categories for gender identity. This is a problem for our understanding of, of the health of this population. Just researchers attribute much of these health issues to the stress of stigma and inadequate health care. What do we know about this? Yeah, another paper we published, well, in terms of access to health care, another paper will be published by Kevin Wynn and colleagues in August of 2018 found that even though the uninsurance rate for um, lesbian, gay, and bisexual adults has dropped, so so getting more insurance coverage, um, LGB adults still reported avoiding care because of cost, and they reported worse health outcomes. And the study found that um, many of the adults were um, privately insured, but through individual health plans, so still perhaps facing high out-of-pocket costs or high costs for care, even though they did on paper have insurance. Um, and another issue is discrimination in the healthcare setting. We know um, anecdotally and from research that um, these patients face discrimination and might have a hard time finding healthcare providers who provide sensitive and competent care um, for LGBTQ plus individuals. And actually, another data point that came out recently, um, the Trevor Project's 2022 National Survey found that 45% of LGBTQ plus youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year. And they also found that 60% of youth who wanted mental health care in the past year were not able to get it. So just a lot of disparities faced by this population. So just that's uh, in line with other studies that show that these um, the poor mental health in certain populations of the LGBTQ LGBTQ community are worse than the cisgender community, especially among teens. So let's move to the executive order. What does the Biden executive order cover, Jess? First, it says it aims to address discriminatory legislative attacks um, against LGBTQ plus children and family. 
So it notes that more than 300 anti-LGBTQ plus laws have been introduced in state legislators just over the past year alone. Um, One example is in Texas, a bill was introduced that would have made gender transition related health care, so gender affirming care, be considered child abuse. And that bill passed the Texas Senate, but did not reach the House floor. And so other states have, um, have tried to pass similar legislation. So now the executive order doesn't really have bearing on what does or doesn't happen in state legislators, but Biden is asking HHS to release new sample policies for states on how to expand access to comprehensive healthcare for LGBTQ plus patients. So just a, a kind of counteracting force to make sure that this population is receiving the health care they need. And the order also charges HHS with leading an initiative to end so-called conversions therapy, which um, is a practice that seeks to suppress or change the sexual orientation or gender identity of a person. Um, but about half of U.S. states already ban or partially ban conversion therapy. And finally, one thing to note is the executive order also charges HHS to work with states to promote expanded access to gender-affirming care. Um, Kathleen, you mentioned to me that there are new standards of care coming out for gender-affirming care. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, uh, Jess, this is an issue that has had a long life. There have been new standards uh, for specifically, let's talk about care for adolescents that have been expected out for a number of summers. There's a controversy, and the controversy is that there are activists who are mindful of past discrimination by healthcare providers and ongoing discrimination who want teens to have immediate access to physicians and surgeons for puberty blockers, gender hormones, and surgery when they feel ready for it. Um, on the other hand, um, there are many uh, health providers, uh, many in the mental health field, who think it's important that teens have access to mental health care assessment before accessing blockers and hormones and surgery. Usually the order is that blockers come first, and then there's time for teens to assess where they are. And then the hor- blockers are generally reversible. The hormones have some uh, element of permanency. And then the surgery is of the last thing. And most insurers don't pay for that until, if they pay, until uh, a teen is 18. The rationale for this argument is that identity is just being formed in the teen years, and I mean identity in general, not not just gender identity, and that in this process, teens face challenges to their mental health. So these providers want to make sure that teens are feeling comfortable where they're going in terms of gender identity. So the problem here is that in the middle of this very honest debate on both sides, There are political forces and state legislatures, as you mentioned, passing these laws and using statements from the honest debaters we just talked about to restrict or forbid gender-affirming care. So we'll see how this develops over the summer. Yeah, so so those particular, some of the standards you mentioned um, were coming from, I think it's the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, or WPATH. Yes, that's an organization that's existed since 1978. And it's an organization that uh, puts out regular standards and uh, for transgender health 
uh, care and health access and has really stepped in an area where there has been a gap in quality standards in uh, this field. Well, that sounds like a good place to wrap up. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like this episode, please tell a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe to Health Affairs This Week wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, Kathleen. Thanks, Jess.